You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Ephesians 6, it says that we are to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Friend, I want to tell you, we are in desperate need of the Bible in 2022. You see, the Bible is more than just a book on your shelf. It's more than just a book in a library. The book is more than just a collection of sayings from a lot of great people. The Bible is the Word of Almighty God. And we have the Bible. I am so thankful to say that we hold in our hands the written, living, powerful, unchanging Word of God. But we've got to use it. It's not enough to sit on the shelf. I gave you the illustration last week if you were in a gunfight and and, and you had a gun, you had a weapon and you never used it, people would say, how foolish. Well, I want to tell you we're in a spiritual battle. And you've got fiery uh, arrows of the devil that are being hurled at you. And you've got uh, 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 attacks that are being launched against you. And you've got to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We saw last week that the Bible is a perfect book. And please, I'm not just using that word just to try to impress you or make you feel better. I believe with all my heart that we have a perfect Bible. The Bible says of itself that the law of the Lord is perfect. Can I tell you, God doesn't make any mistakes. God is a perfect God. God is an all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing God. And God has given us His Word. It's a perfect book. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is the Word of God. It's perfect. Number two, the Word of God has been preserved. Now, if you missed last Sunday, I encourage you to go back and listen because I explained it a little bit more in detail than I will today. But the Bible was given by God, but there were human authors that wrote it down, right? That's how we have it today. But the Bible says that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God told them exactly what to write. So they wrote it down. How many of you know that you can write something down and you can lose it. Anybody ever lost something important that you wrote down? Yeah, uh, like a to-do list? Or how about this? How about a grocery list, right? I know some of you are so high-tech, you don't even use pen and paper anymore. Uh, Brother Dan, we were, we were teasing about it at the beginning, the early service. I was dropping all my papers, and I said, man, I need to go paperless, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, sometimes you write something down, and you can't, you can't remember where you put it. Or how about this? You write something down, and you go back later, and you can't read your own writing. Has anybody else ever done that? That is embarrassing. You're thinking, who in the world wrote? Oh, yeah, that was me, but I still can't get it. Can I tell you, here's what's so amazing about the Bible is God wrote it, God gave it to us, but then God has preserved it. It says in Psalm 12 that the words of the Lord are pure words. They're perfect words. They're, they're, they're holy words without error. As silver is tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, or thou shalt guard them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation and forever. 
You see, I don't believe that the Bible was just perfect originally. I believe the Bible's perfect today. I believe it has been preserved by God. You say, well, how could people do that? Oh, no, no, no. We're not talking about people here. We're talking about God did it. And if God is powerful enough to spin the planets into their spots and God is powerful enough to put the sun and the moon and the stars and God is powerful enough to keep your heart beating. God is powerful enough to, to, to allow your brain to function. I believe that God can preserve and God can keep his word. And I believe that we have a preserved word. Number three today, and this is where we left off. I want to tell you that I believe we have a precious book. We have a precious word. I'm afraid that many times we don't treat it as such. I want to talk to you about that this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have a love for your word. And may we have a hunger for your word. And I pray that we would have a renewed desire to get in your word every day. Forgive us for neglecting it. Forgive us so many times for uh, acting as if it's not that big of a deal. We thank you for this Bible that we have and that we hold. And I pray that we would live it. And I pray that we would love it. And I pray we do all we can to learn it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The word is precious. In Psalm 119, the Bible tells us nine times that David's delight, his pleasure, his enjoyment was in the word of God. And I tell you, that's the way we ought to view the Bible. Now, we say it, if I were to ask with a show of hands, if I were to say, how many of you love the Bible? I think we'd all raise our hands. And I hope you do. And I think we would, we would want that to be true. But if I told you that I love running marathons, that would not be a true statement. You know why? Because I don't run marathons. As a matter of fact, I don't even sign up for marathons. I don't even think about signing up for marathons. So if I told you that marathons, that was my delight, that was my love, oh, mar running marathons, oh, that's my thing, that would not be a true statement because I never do it, right? But if I told you this morning that I told you that I delight in drinking coffee, whew, that sounds good about now, doesn't it? If I told you I delight in drinking coffee, that would be a true statement. You know why? Because I do it. I, I drink coffee. And I understand some of you, you're, you're a better Christian than I am, and you've got more character. You don't even need coffee. You don't need caffeine. You just, you have all that energy. I wish I knew your secret, but I, I, I do drink coffee. But that's, that would be something that I would say I delight in because I actually drink it. Because nobody has to force me to do it. I don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, no, here we go again. I got to drink a cup of coffee. No, no, I do it because I enjoy it. Now, here's what I'm saying. That is the idea I'm talking about with the Bible. Although how many of you would say our love for the Bible ought to be greater than our love for anything that is physical? Our love for the Bible ought to be so real that we, we look forward to it that we anticipate it, that if we ever go without the Bible, uh, we, we suffer withdrawals, right? It's like, I can't wait. I got to get back in the book. But here's the problem. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, a preacher, I think it was Lester Roloff, and he's been with the Lord many years. 
Lester Roloff made the statement. He said, I don't believe there will be a revival since the invention of the television. Now, hang on. I'm not, right now, I'm not trying to debate with you whether or not there's good stuff on TV or bad. And I, I understand you can find some good, I'm sure. You can find some good on the computer, cell phones. I think those are great tools. But here's what I'm saying. We have crowded the Bible out of our lives because we have filled our lives with everything else. We've got time to watch television. We've got time to, uh, to play on the cell phone or to play on the, uh, the computer. We've got time to do our hobbies. We've got time to do sports. We've got time to do all these things. But somehow, it seems like we don't have time for the Bible anymore. And I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to all of us, myself included. We have become so busy. There, there's so many things that can fill our time. How many of you remember when if you missed a ball game... You missed the ball game. Well, then it got to be to where you could record a ball game, right? You could, you could watch it later. Well, now it's even easier. You just set a DVR and you can watch it and a ball game may take a couple hours and you love every minute of it. But can I tell you, we have, we have neglected the word of God at the price of all the things of this world. The word of God must be and should be precious. The Bible says in the book of 1 Samuel, the Bible says that the word of God was precious in those days. But here's what's sad. In that context, that word precious, it does not mean that they loved it. It means that it was rare. Like we would use the, the term for a precious metal. What, 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 why is it precious? Because it's so rare. And in the book of 1 Samuel, the word of God was rare. That they weren't, they weren't listening to God. They weren't hearing God. Uh, they weren't interested in what God had to say. And friend, I want to tell you, the word of God ought not to be a rarity in your life. It ought to be every day. It ought to be a desire. It ought to be our passion. It ought to be our love. The Bible, we must get back to the Bible. I don't know if we'll have another revival since the invention of the television, but I'll say this, the word of God has not lost its power. And the Word of God has as much power today as it's ever had. And as long as we have a Bible, and as long as we have the Holy Spirit of God, as long as we have prayer, and as long as we have the promises of God, I think it's still possible that we could see revival. But it won't happen until we get back to the Word of God. It is precious. Number four, I see quickly the Word of God is purifying. The Word... In Ephesians 5, it says that the Word of God, it is the washing. In uh, Psalm 119, it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? My, my, my car, I, I try to keep my car clean. It's not always clean. I try to keep it clean. Um, but uh, Micah, Micah's too, and whenever I've got Micah with me, he always wants to go to the car wash. He thinks that's like, you know, like entertainment, you know, you go to the car wash. And uh, I'll tell him the car wash. There's times where car's not dirty, but we go through the car wash because Michael likes the car wash, you know. But if, if my car, if, if my car were just filthy, if it were caked with mud and it had been sitting out under a tree for a couple weeks, and birds had got it and uh, just all the residue from the trees. And if it was just nasty, I could take a bucket and I could take a rag and I could go out there and I could try to 
wipe it off and I could try to clean the car, but if I didn't have the soap, if I did not have that cleansing agent, it wouldn't really get clean. All I would do is just kind of smear it all over, right? How about this? Have you ever been washing a load of clothes? And I'm not talking about just, I'm talking about like clothes that are really dirty. Clothes where the kids have been outside playing the mud and they got ice cream on it and ketchup and they've just had an all day outside picnic playing in the mud and, and you get those clothes and you put those clothes in the wash machine, right? You turn the wash machine on and you forget to put something in the wash machine. You forget to put the laundry detergent in the wash machine. You go through the whole cycle. You pull those clothes out. Now, some of you are getting impressed because I'm sounding like I know how to do laundry. I have, I have rehearsed this a hundred times this week to try to fool you, to make you think I knew how to do laundry. But you take that laundry out and all of a sudden it's been washed in the machine. But there's not been the detergent. What are you going to do as soon as you pull those clothes out? You're going to smell... These clothes are not clean. And you're going to have to put them right back in the wash and you're going to have to add the detergent because if there's not a cleansing agent in that wash machine, the clothes are not going to get clean. Now, here it is. We try self-helps. We try being a better person. We try more self-determination and more resolve. But friend, I want to tell you, you're not going to cleanse yourself by yourself. You and I must have the Word of God. It cleanses us. It cleans us up. It makes us whole. It makes us pure. And the Word of God is purifying. Say, Pastor, I feel so dirty. I've been out in the world and I've seen things and I've heard things and I just, I feel like I got the filth of the world. Well, the Bible says we're going to be in this world. We're not supposed to be of the world. And we may be in the world, but that doesn't mean that we stay dirty. It means we clean and we, we, we wash and we cleanse and we purify our minds. And we purify our eyes and we purify our ears by getting the Word of God in our hearts and lives. The Bible is a purifying book, number five. The Bible is a profitable book. 2 Timothy 3, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable. That means it's helpful. It's beneficial for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Now, some of you are just, some, I love you, but some of you are just strange, okay? Some of you, you like watching like documentaries and you like reading just random stuff that has nothing to do with anything, okay? Does anybody know anybody like that? Okay, we got a few like that. All right, a few, few testimonials. I like to watch, I used, I, in the early service, I said, I like to take classes that help me. And then I said, wait a minute. I like to watch YouTube videos that help me. That's a better way, I think, to put it. But I like to watch something that's going to help me do something better. I, I, like to, I like to read about something that's going to benefit my life. And can I tell you, when you read the Bible, you're not wasting your time. When you read the Bible, you're not reading something you say, well, I'm never going to need that. Oh, no, you will need it. As a matter of fact, you're going to need it this week. The Bible goes on to say in 2 Timothy 3, verse 17, that the Bible is profitable. But then it says this, that the man of God or the woman of God may be perfect. That word means complete. 
truly furnished unto all good works. Here's what that means. The Bible furnishes your life. The Bible equips your life for everything that you're going to need. Now, now stay with me. You and I, right now, on this Sunday morning, at 1.30 in the afternoon. No, 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 it's not that late yet. Just make sure you're still with me. On this Sunday morning, you and I, we are not prepared for this week. You know why you're not prepared? You know why I'm not prepared? Because we don't know what we're going to face. I have no idea what I'm going to face tomorrow. Now, we think we do, don't we? We, we? we make plans and we have goals and we've got all those things and I'm not against them. But you have no idea what phone call you're going to get. You have no idea somebody that's going to attack you or stab you in the back or somebody that's going to hurt you or crush. You have no idea this week what's going to happen. But God does. And when you and I get in the Bible, the Bible actually equips us for the things that we will face. Now, you don't know, and I don't know, but God does. You know who else knows? The Holy Spirit of God. The one who gave us this book, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. And if we'll get in this book, we will be equipped. We will be prepared. We will be thoroughly, completely furnished for all good works, everything we're going to need this week. The Bible is a profitable book. Number six, the Bible is a book of protection. I believe it was D.L. Moody that said this book, the Bible, will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Can I tell you, this book will protect you from the attacks of Satan that are very real. Remember, we saw in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. That is demonic powers. And we, we talked about that when we started this series. But I want to tell you, uh, demons are absolutely 100% real, as sure as I'm standing here. And they hate you and they hate me because of who our Savior is. They hate God. They hate the Bible. They hate the church. They don't want you to live for God. The demons are trying to keep you from uh, being a, a good Christian and loving God and loving your family and, and doing what God wants you to do. And you are in a battle. You need some protection. Your family needs some protection. That's why we need to have the Bible in our homes and the Bible in our lives. I mentioned it last week, but when Jesus himself, when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, let that sink in. That's a long time. Jesus was at a, a point where he was very, very weak physically. And when Satan attacked him, Jesus said this. He said, as it is written. His protection was in the word of God. And friend, I want to remind us today that our protection is not in our personality. Our, our protection is not in our ability. Our protection is not in how smart we are. And, you know, when that devil comes after me, I'm going to have a good answer for him. No, you're going to fall flat on your face. And so will I, except for the protection that comes from the word of God. The Bible is a book of protection. Number seven, the Bible is a book of power. It says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is quick and powerful. 
That word powerful in the Greek is the word dunamos. It's where we get our word dynamite. Now, I want to tell you, dynamite is powerful, but not sitting in storage. Dynamite is powerful, but not sitting in a closet. Dynamite is powerful when it is taken and when it is used. And the same is true of this book. You got to use it. You've got to apply it. You've got to put it into practice in your life. The Word of God is a powerful book. Would you turn with me, please, to Revelation 19? I often mention this passage. I don't usually go and read it, and I feel bad. I probably should read it more often when I uh, reference it. But it says in Revelation 19, this is the battle of Armageddon. When Jesus Christ comes back and of course, we're, we're seeing now on the news, we're seeing a little bit of what war is like and a little bit of what battle is like. But can you imagine when it's not just two nations that are fighting against each other, but it's all of the nations of the world that are fighting against each other? And, and, and by the way, with no restraint, can you imagine what that's going to be like? The Bible says that in that battle, Jesus Christ comes back. And when Jesus comes back, the armies of the world are fighting against each other, but then they turn their focus and they begin to try to fight against Jesus. Now, that battle doesn't last very long. You know why? Because you can't fight against Jesus. Because you're not going to win when you fight against God. And when Jesus comes back, Revelation 19, it says in verse 13, he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, uh, hallelujah for the blood. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And his name is called the Word of God. Oh, hallelujah. There's power in the Word. Verse 15. And out of his mouth, this is Jesus, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Notice with me, if you would, in uh, verse number 21, in the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceedeth out of his mouth. You know where the power is? It's in the word of God. There is power in the word. You say, oh, praise God. I can't wait for Revelation 19 to come to pass. And I can't wait till we can see that power. I got news for you. You've already got it available. You already have the Word of God. We already have the Bible. Yet so many times, we don't use it. So many times, we don't read it. Our nation, our world is in trouble. And I don't believe that the blame can be laid at the feet of politicians, although obviously there's some, some issues there. I don't believe that the blame is laid at the feet of Hollywood and uh, the NBA and the NFL and all the sports stars. I don't believe that the blame is uh, laid at the feet of social media or, you know, um, uh, the CEOs and all the corporations. I believe the blame mostly goes back to God's people. Because we have gotten away from the Word of God. We've got it. We have the power. We have the Bible. Yet so many times we act powerless. We act as though there's nothing we can do. 
There's no hope. Oh, no, we're in such trouble. I guess we better just give up. Oh, no, friend. Not when you've got the word of God on your side. We have the power of the book. Number eight, the Bible is a book of prosperity. The Bible says in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So, well, Pastor, I've been reading a lot of books on success. I've been reading a lot of books on how to uh, be wealthy and how to, uh, how to be a CEO and how to be an executive and how to be a great leader. I'm not against those things. There's probably a lot of good things you can find. But let me tell you, success is never found apart from the Word of God. This book is the key to success. This book is the key to prosperity. You say, well, I know some Christians and they don't have a lot of money in their bank account. Time out, me too. I, I know those people too. Can I tell you this? I'm not talking about money in your bank account. If you think that's prosperity, I want to tell you that's all going to burn up someday. I've known people had a lot of money and then within a matter of a couple years, it was all gone. Sometimes it was within a matter of a couple days it was all gone. You see, riches are, 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 like, are like eagles that, that, that they, they take their flight and they're, they're gone and, and you have them and then they're not there and they disappear. And can I tell you, that's not prosperity. Prosperity is not this where everybody's cheering for you. You know why? Because someday they're not going to be cheering for you. Prosperity is what does God think of me? And is God pleased? And does God view me as successful because of what we do with the Bible? The Word of God, number nine, it must be practiced. James 1, the Bible says, Be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. Now, you got to hear. You, you have to listen to the Word of God, but it can't stop there. You listen, and then you do what you have heard, and you do, and you act upon what you've received. And then lastly, the Word of God, it must be personal. I started last Sunday morning with this thought, but the Word of God has got to be personal in your life. I can't read the Bible for you, and you can't read the Bible for me, just like I can't eat lunch for you, and you can't eat lunch for me. Remember that illustration I gave last week? Please, please, you're not helping me when you send me a picture of your lunch and you tell me, say, hey, I'm going to eat a little extra for you. No, you're not. You're just being selfish. You're just eating it all and making me feel bad. Well, the same is true with the Bible. It's personal. You've got to be the one to consume it. You've got to be the one that gets it in your heart and in your life, and then you apply it and you live it every day. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.